0: Hello, this is Lucia. Welcome to Race Reflections at Work, the podcast that focuses on inequality, injustice and oppression in the workplace. In this episode, we will discuss whiteness in the workplace, what it is and how it can affect people. Send us your queries, questions and dilemmas, please email at work at racereflections.co.uk So I'd like to start with a definition of whiteness, whiteness culturally and white supremacy as well, just because I believe it's useful for us to have an idea what we're talking about, so we're thinking of the same thing as we go along. We're going to be using Ruth Frankenberg's definition because it's pretty straightforward, I think. She talks about whiteness in three different ways. The first one is a location of structural advantage of race privilege. The second one would be a standpoint, or the place from which white people look at themselves, at others, and at society. And the third way that Ruth Frankenberg defines whiteness is a set of cultural practices that are usually unmarked and unnamed. And this is going to be important because this talks to the invisibility of whiteness, really. The fact that most of these practices are Not in an awareness most of the time. So, just to give a little bit more information of what I mean by whiteness as well, is obviously whiteness would be socially and historically constructed. So, it's not an essence uh, or natural thing. And in its origin, it is linked to European imperialism, colonialism, and capitalism. So, historically speaking, whiteness has created a social hierarchy that is based on skin color and proximity to itself, so proximity to whiteness. And this results in an unequal distribution of power, as well as material resources. So we talk about a socially constructed cultural practice, but they obviously have tangible effects on the material reality of people and of different communities. Whiteness functions primarily in a state of unconsciousness. This means that these processes that we're talking about, these dynamics, are mainly out of our awareness. And with this, we can say that whiteness is invisible, as I said, not because we cannot recognize it or its mechanisms if we know about them and if we're paying attention, but because these cultural practices have become the norm, basically, they're what's expected in such a way that they are not named they are not seen by most people they just are in our everyday lives and they are unconsciously reproduced by people and by groups within organization and in communities one last thing that it's important to note about whiteness as a set of cultural practices and also as a standpoint is that it intersects it shapes and it co-constructs other social aspects of identity So it compounds with identities of gender and social class, for example, and also with neurodiversity and disability, for example. So if we look at whiteness from the perspective of this definition, and we look at how it may operate in professional settings... Perhaps we can identify certain norms or expectations that we see our work environment has regarding, for example, certain manner of speech, certain accents, a way of dressing, an attitude, perhaps about what boundaries we uphold and the way we do that. I'm also thinking of tones of voice that are acceptable Or gender and gender expression norms, for example. Norms that could be applied to many aspects of ourselves and our manner of relating to others and of behaving. And they will also perhaps slightly change or take different forms depending on the type of work environment in which we evolve. Where are these social norms and expectations we need to follow at work? Where have they originated? Who is the ideal type of these norms and expectations? And when we think of them, who do we picture? Other questions that might be useful for us to explore is how does this culture of whiteness exclude people that may not conform to these pre-established norms? What sort of dynamics and mechanisms are put in place, perhaps silently, when someone is not conforming? Even if we think of more relaxed work environments, perhaps more liberal places or the millennial kind, if we want to talk about it that way, they still do convey a certain set of unspoken rules and norms that will conform to a culture of whiteness. What we call propriety or professionalism does take different forms, and it can come with a certain unwillingness from the group or from the organization or the culture to adapt to the needs of others. Not only whiteness does not adapt to the need of others, but it demands adaptation and assimilation from others, sometimes aggressively, sometimes in very subtle ways. This is because whiteness is restricted to the recognition of its own bodily existence and of its own cultural practices and it fails to see the significance and the worth in those deemed other and in their cultural practices and in their ways of being. It operates under a logic of moral superiority, a way of thinking that implies that whiteness is culturally superior. Thus, the assimilation of others and the dismissal of their ways of being and their ways of life other than for appropriation for entertainment, for example, is a highly progressive process. Whiteness might be doing us a favour, or so it thinks. And in thinking in this way, it avoids any sense of responsibility for the exclusion that it entails, and for the suffering that are its consequences. It is true that episodes of conceivably good-willed thoughts and patterns can result in marginalisation and exclusion. One of the ways responsibility is avoided within this way of functioning is by adopting ineffective and sometimes destructive modes of thinking. For example, being preoccupied with intentions as opposed to consequences or to the results of one's good intentions. Think, for example, about trying to speak up on issues of racism, of discrimination, or of injustice in a work environment. I'm sure we all can remember either being in that position or witnessing someone else in that position and seeing their words being dismissed or shut down in different ways, them perhaps even being labeled troublemakers, difficult or even aggressive, and some sort of exclusion being enacted. Whiteness is actually obsessed with the idea of goodness and purity. Automatic preservation means being able to retain this personal sense of innocence, goodness, and a sense of apparent responsibility. That can be done, as I said, by only placing tension on intentions rather than consequences of our thinking, of our acting, which would be the true marker of responsibility. This makes whiteness and its mechanisms all the more difficult to challenge and it makes it really difficult to name its exclusionary and marginalizing consequences at times. So when you think of the word professionalism or professional in your workplace, what is deemed professional in that environment? What does that really mean? And if you're able to visualize it and see it, who really represents that? Just to give a quick example, in my first year of training as a therapist, one of our tutors gave us a little bit of advice on choosing our wardrobe for work. And what actually came out of it was a sort of no jeans and trainers kind of look. And as I reflected on that, because that does not represent who I am, either personally or professionally, I realized that the look that person had for themselves, but also the look they were advising us to adopt was very much a white middle class type of look. And this is just a very superficial example, but it does not only speak of wardrobes, it also goes much deeper than that a lot of the time. The wording we use, the accent we have, the way we are, the way we behave and relate to others. This is not to say that we need to throw all of this out of the window right away. We all still live in this system, in this society, and we're trying to survive and make a way within the system. So there's no use really to sabotage ourselves. That being said, having this in mind and examining how we might be adapting to others' norms and expectations and their demands for assimilation can be helpful in that it may help us re-examine any feelings of perhaps inadequacy, imposterism, and even sometimes shame we may carry about ourselves, about our backgrounds. Because these cultural practices and social norms can be internalized and they can affect the way we feel about ourselves. If we consider whiteness to be the vehicle for white supremacy, we know that many of these expectations and norms, they go along racial and cultural lines. But we can also expand on that and consider whiteness as the reproduction and reinforcing of systems of domination. And as I said at the beginning, it does intersect with other social axes of identity. So this sort of mental colonisation can also reinforce norms around gender identity and gender expression, around social class, and very importantly, something that is particularly connected to the workplace because it's connected to ideas of productivity and performance. It does reinforce norms and expectations around ideas of ability and disability. So we have reflected a little bit on the idea of whiteness today. And if you are finding these relevant to your situation, or if you sometimes are struggling with feelings of inadequacy, feeling a bit out of place at work, not belonging, or even sometimes what we may call imposter syndrome, I'd like to invite you to take these reflections with you to work and examine in what ways you are being asked to adapt and assimilate, what parts of you are being asked to assimilate or be hidden, and also how the system reinforces those norms in the place that you spend your time in, rewarding those who adapt the best and punishing the ones who don't. Do remember that more often than not, the problem is not located in you or your performance at work, but in a system that was made unequal and it's riddled with unmarked dynamics and practices that aim to reproduce and reinforce these inequalities. I hope this episode has been useful for you in your reflections and that you will continue to think with us on topics of inequality, injustice and oppression in the workplace. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. This has been Lucia from Race Reflections. Goodbye and take good care of yourself.